Are we recording? Is this thing on? Yes, it is. Welcome to RevOps 500, where we invite the world's top marketers to answer the tough questions facing growing organizations. Ooh, sounds important. I'm Sajil Qureshi. And I'm Gil Bay. Join us as we dive deep into the world of RevOps. We'll be learning strategies and expertise from first-hand experience. RevOps 500 is sponsored by Computech. They provide technical and development expertise to growth-focused marketing. Let's get started. Hey everyone, Sajil Qureshi here with another episode of RevOps 500, where we talk to the world's greatest RevOps uh, marketing experts. And today is no different. Uh, I'm extremely excited to be talking to a marketing professional in, in her own right, a team leader, a writer, marathon runner, speaker, member of the American Marketing Association, and now she's a product marketing lead at Cohere Health. Samantha Rideout, welcome to RevOps 500. Thank you for that warm welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. So Samantha, let's, uh, let's just get right into it. So what is one RevOps myth that you can think of? One RevOps myth that I see again and again is people thinking that you can solve your RevOps problems by hiring one person to do it, or that once you have a RevOps person, it's going to just, it's in that bucket and it's done. And I think that's probably an issue that's broader than just RevOps. I think that is maybe a leadership style that you can see where people say, well, I need to build this company. Let me hire my marketing person. Done. My customer success person. Okay, that's done. And just tick the boxes versus seeing the opportunity of having the strategic functional area that works together. And even if you have a person with a dedicated title, it doesn't mean that it should be closed off in that one little box, but it should be kind of the connective tissue of the growth team and bringing everyone together to figure out how do we collaborate? How do we create something that's bigger and better and more efficient and enabling us to grow faster versus just, well, that's that person's job. They're dealing with it and it's done. So that's an interesting answer, Samantha. So as, as, a, as like a CEO or something, wouldn't they just assume that, look, I'm hiring a doctor. I have a heart problem. I'm looking for a cardiologist. I mean, you're the cardiologist. Can't you tell me and fix my heart for me on your own? Like, well, I mean, couldn't they, why, why, why should they, why are they wrong to think that way? I guess. I don't think anyone can do anything on their own. I think it takes a community to really achieve anything if you want to achieve it the best way possible. So someone might be able to fix a problem on their own, but even your cardiologist is not working on their own. They have lab technicians who are doing stuff. They have administrative people. who are all working together to solve a problem. So, uh, and then I think you can also learn from that of, okay, here's how we did it this time. And that person can kind of be the quarterback of, okay, now here's this play and we run it back. I'm not a sports person, so I might be using this analogy wrong, but mm -hmm. <laughs> of how can we do it better next time? And then bringing in those people to brainstorm and create something so it doesn't have to go to the cardiologist next time. It can be kind of figured out without escalating. Ah, okay. So the the cardiologist might be the one who who is uh, maybe doing the surgery, but obviously, like you said, there are lab techs who may do x-rays and someone else is, is maybe the nurse's help with recovery and with prep work. Uh, so it's really a full, and obviously the hospital is there for this person to be comfortable and while, while they're being cared for. Mm -hmm. is, is that kind of the, the idea or? 
Exactly. And then next time around, we can do it better. We'll have more preventative care and it won't need to go up to be this emergency situation that requires surgery. I feel like that analogy, actually, I wasn't planning to use that, but I'm glad you brought that into that because I feel like that works perfect for this. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, 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 it's interesting. Yeah, because I, 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 I would imagine, you know, you, you hire an accountant. You say, okay, look, you're the accountant. You know, you, you do this thing and you're the RevOps person. You do this thing and you're the, you're the writer. You write, uh, I mean, but you're, you're right, pun intended. I, mean, I guess we're, you need to have everybody functioning as a team and there are, like you said, lab techs and there are other people who support to make sure that, you know, you, that the expert has what they need, what they have to be successful more or less. Exactly. Teamwork makes the dream work, right? Got it. Got it. So but let's, let's talk about like the, 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 the team part of it now. So obviously a RevOps person does not know everything that needs to happen in, in the, in the business or in any, any sort of a RevOps engine, because you know it's marketing, sales, it's customer support, it's the experience. They're they're only they're touching all those things, but they're not grabbing anything in all those things. So, what what is something, for example, technically that might have might be keeping you you up at night, losing sleep, some sort of stress in your in your in your RevOps function? I guess. Well, maybe that's why I went into the first question the way I did, because I think this is exactly what's keeping me up at night is the connective tissue piece of this. And I don't even necessarily have a good solution for it, but I feel like the biggest challenge that I'm facing right now and what worries me the most is in a high growth startup, being able to connect all those parts. So being essentially being part of the product team, being part of the sales team, part of the solutions team, and being able to bring together this story, this narrative all of these very tactical things that we need, like all the website copy, all the email copy, but also the sales enablement. Like there's so many things that need to be happening all at once. And how do you get embedded enough to really be that? I hate the term connective tissue, but now I'm using it. And like, this is going to be my thing. <laughs> but being that for the organization, so being the nucleus or whatever works the best, but to keep everyone all together and moving at that very high rate of speed toward growth. Um, that's what really, yeah, that's what keeps me up at night. So it's, it's the idea of, it's not necessarily something technical. It's more the idea of making sure every, 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 everything that, that, that everything that the customer might touch is, is looked at by you and seen by you, be it the product, be it the sales experience the marketing experience the website copy all of those things it's it's, it's like a vast it's like a jungle right a vast mm -hmm. you know a vast thing to, to, to see and 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 seeing all of that is very very difficult mm -hmm. and translating i guess the technical pieces from different parts of the company so translating all of the very technical product things that are happening how do you take this when you're on a product call and you're listening to everything that's happening here. And it's in like engineering speak. Now, mm. when we're communicating that to our end user or our prospect, we're telling a different story than that in the weeds story. Mm. But then on the other end of the spectrum, you have all this technical kind of language within the sales organization when you're talking about MQLs and SQLs and EQLs. So there's this technical piece within your CRM and within that whole like funnel story, 
that probably doesn't make sense to product. So how do you bring all of that together and translate the technical pieces into something that's cohesive and all makes sense while moving really, really fast in all directions? And solving for the customer because, you know, you, you are speaking in these, like, like you use the word translate, you, know, you take something from the engineering team and that's in one language. Mm-hmm. And then you take it to the sales team, which is a different language. And you're you're the one blessed with the ability to speak both of these languages fluently somehow. <laughs> and then and then now you have to go talk to the customer, and that's a different language, right? So you are you are interpret you are interpreter and a translator at the same time in many ways. And that and that 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 is something to be losing sleep over. I understood, understood. <laughs> All right. So I mean, how, how do you how do you get a, how do you solve that? I mean, what what do you do when you come off a product? call in the morning and you got the sales call in the afternoon about it. I mean, how do you, how do you overcome that? Well, I'm taking two very different approaches to try to help figure out exactly what to do. So one of the approaches is tapping into my network of fellow marketers, the people who know it better than me, the marketing geniuses out there. So I'm part of the um, Product Marketing Alliance, and they have this Slack community that's very supportive. And I'll go in there with a question and be like, what should I do for this? Like, here's three options. I don't really know what to do. And people will chime in and say, here's what I did, and here's why it failed, and here's how you can do it better. So I've been getting a lot of good advice from that community, and then as well as a lot of thought leaders who have books and podcasts like this one. Um, so you can tap into that knowledge and just understand how other people are doing things. And it can give ideas of something you didn't think of, can help connect dots. So I'm trying to use that whole sphere of knowledge that's out there. And then my other methodology is finding the right people at the organization to help me navigate it. So some of the people who you would expect to be like the right person to go to, they're very busy and they're doing all kinds of important things and their calendars are so full. It's like schedule five minutes on a Friday at 5.55 and like that's how you get in there. But there are a lot of people who are maybe further down in the organizational hierarchy that have a really deep knowledge of what's going on and some of the between the lines information. So a lot of times before I'll suggest something in a meeting, I'll talk to a manager on another team and say, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think of this? And they'll give me this amazing insight that I would have never considered. And it helps me kind of frame the narrative. Sometimes it might even be the idea is good, but if you say it to this person that way, they're going to hate it. So here's how you add a little bit of nuance to it to really get more done. So finding those right people, kind of the gems that are embedded in there and on the team to help understand things a little better and communicate better has also been really helpful. So let's let, let's talk about that because obviously in RevOps, you, you know, you have to get, you can't do anything on your own, right? You have to get buy-in from engineering and from marketing and from sales. And these are all departments, right? I mean, there's people mm-hmm. involved and they, they, they're very, you know, people are just territorial, right? They want to make sure that what they're doing is what they're doing. They want to own it and do it well. And that's mm-hmm. expected. So you talk about these gems of people. How how do you identify what a what a RevOps gem of a person would be? Is, is is there like some sort of characteristics that they have that you can kind of you can point to in any organization? Well, oh, that person's a gem. What could our listeners learn from that? I mean, my first instinct was to just say, you know, be a good judge of character when you see someone who seems like they're 
the right kind of person that maybe that's it, but that's kind of nebulous. That's not a real answer. I think it probably goes down to the most underrated skill that someone can have. You'll never see it on a resume, but just someone who's easy to work with is going to be able to help you connect the dots. And no one will ever like put that in their special skills of, I'm a nice guy. (laughs) But when you meet someone who's just nice, they can communicate complex things well, and they're easy to talk to and connect with, they're going to help you so much more than the person who is brilliant, but they're too, you know, not necessarily approachable or they don't have that. You don't feel like you can connect with them easily, which I guess is still kind of nebulous. But when you know, you know, maybe like finding a husband when you know, you know, it's the same when you're finding people who are good to work with. Yeah. It's interesting, right? You could go into any sort of, well, it's kind of what what they teach in school. You can probably go into any sort of institution and you can find just a crowd of 20 people and you can find somebody maybe, you know, who will maybe just try to help somebody else with some some task for no other reason than just because oh this person asked me for help and whatever they'll I'll just I'll just get the, I'll just get the help from them, which is interesting and, and and it'd be the same thing for like a RevOps gem as you call them like 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 these support people who can help help RevOps staff members connect the dots between you know sales customer success marketing and product if you're running a software company, which is interesting yeah so it doesn't not necessarily the the most brilliant person it's just a, just someone who can maybe advance the story a bit more for for you take it from 85 percent to 86 percent or 88 percent something like that and then you just know that person because maybe they're, they're they like the product or they're been on the company for a while or they know the personalities and really those are soft skills not anything technical that you would find oh this person's like a a good sales enablement guru or something like that it wouldn't, it wouldn't be anything like that you'd find in their in their in their uh, or in the org chart necessarily exactly Interesting. Yeah, I never never thought of that one, but yeah, that's a that's a good one. And it's like like so with, with all this in mind, like look, I mean, RevOps is a very it's it's a very complicated you know, sort of job. I mean, you you need to find allies in different functions of a business. It's a lot of you know politics sometimes. Let's be honest. Uh, yeah. So how does that play out for the future of RevOps? I mean, do you think that things do you think it's always going to be a very very people-driven thing? I mean, how do you think it's, is it going to change at all in your view? What's your take? I think, I mean, that's a great question. And I'd love to have a crystal ball and just tell you, here's what the future is going to look like. <laughs> Sorry. And it's interesting with all the, the buzz right now around AI and there's so many people, especially in the marketing sphere, who are like, is chat GBT coming for my job kind of thing? And People are definitely hopeful about how technology can help change everything. And I mean, every time I log into my email, I have 10 new vendors selling some kind of solution that's going to fix everything. But I think ultimately, everything has to go back to people. So I think in the future, it's still, there's always going to be the human element. And I don't think that that's a net natural connection for anything that has ops in it. Revenue definitely has to have the people component, but the ops part of it always just feels like, well, we want to automate this. We want to make this easier, more process, more whatever. 
and maybe in a really simple business model where you're selling this one thing and you know it is what it is that could maybe be the future but from where i sit in b2b with complex solutions solving complex problems i always think it's going to go back to that human element to be able to really accomplish ambitious strategic goals so it it still comes down to your ability to maybe grow revenue and deliver good customer experiences, regardless of what the future is, those are still going to be the the mechanics of things? I mean, that's what I would put my money on if I was going to take a guess. If you And if you had the crystal ball and everything, you know, you would kind of stick it there. <laughs> All right. Let's do this again in 10 years and see if I was right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just block off time on the calendar. Hopefully you find something available. I don't know. So, <laughs> but, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So think now, now, Let's 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 go backwards a bit. So you know, how did you get into RevOps? Were you always there? Were you were you was it was it just core marketing? Was it something different? Were you tied in different roles before? What what's what's the story? Well, I consider myself a 360 marketer because I've done a little bit of everything um, with varying degrees of success. Kind of over my career, I've tried different things, saw where I was strong, where I had growth areas or opportunity areas. <laughs> and now in this product marketing function, it's definitely very focused on RevOps because you're right there in the center of everything when you're in product marketing. Um, it's not like other areas where you're a little more removed and you kind of drive your own agenda a little bit more. Um, when you're in product marketing, you're involved with everyone. <laughs> Like I was saying before, but being embedded in all these different teams to really be successful. So it just kind of evolved that way. Um, and part of it was this specific opportunity that I'm in now at Cohere as the product marketing lead, because I really love what we do here. Um, and I I really believe that your health is your wealth. That's one of my go-to things. Like people who've worked with me for a while have heard me say that. And when I go back to like, what it, what is my career? What do I want to have done when I retire? What do I want to say? Here's what I accomplished. I definitely believe in working with those kind of mission-driven brands that are doing something meaningful. And I think your health is the most important thing. You could have anything, but if you don't have your health or your family's not healthy, it doesn't really matter. So when I saw this opportunity, I was like, this is for me. This is exciting. I want to do this. And being able to tell the story of an emerging brand where it's not necessarily carved out. Um, we've only been around since 2019, so still a baby. But um, having a really important story to tell, having that kind of technical element, how do we share that in a way that gets people as exciting as I was? where I said, you know what, this is a little different than what I've done before, but I really want to do this. Um, and then kind of marrying those, I mean, it seems like competing goals. The rev ops where it's much more technical versus storytelling, which is much softer, and the people skills that we were just talking about, you have to kind of be a little bit of all these different things. So having that 360 marketing background really kind of paved my runway to grow into this role. Um, but it's exciting and I get to talk to you. So I look what's happening. 
Yeah, so so tell us a bit more about Cohere Health for our listeners who don't know what what you guys do. So Cohere Health is a health tech company that's pioneering intelligent prior authorization. And anyone who has been to the doctor for anything more than their regular annual checkup has probably had an experience with prior auth. It's probably been negative. And that's exactly what Cohere was designed to manage against. So using cutting-edge technology to transform prior auth from a burden to a springboard into a more collaborative and efficient experience that drives better patient outcomes. And who doesn't want better outcomes? Faster and actually getting to better care. So it's just a really exciting model. And what we're working toward is, I mean, it's it's at the end of the day, I shut down my computer. I feel like I've actually done something that's contributing to something better and bigger than if I was just working at a company that, I don't know, I, I shouldn't even finish that sentence because I'm going to have to <laughs> And I was just talking about being nice, so I shouldn't try to offend anyone, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a really great goal. And I guess, it, does it tie to, to, I mean, obviously, you know, you're a very active person. You know, you do the marathons and those sorts of things. I mean, is that, is that, is that tied to all of this? I mean, just the health and like the, in, in, like in, the, in the outside of work and stuff? Or? I mean, definitely. And part of my shift in perspective, I guess, was... Um, my daughter was born very premature. So my firstborn, she was born very early. And after that happened, it kind of changed my perspective on health and how important it is. And I didn't even think I would have a second kid because I was like, oh my goodness, I can't do this again. I can't do the NICU again. It's too horrible. It's, it's what a nightmare. But because of advancements in maternal fetal health, I was able to actually have a second kid and he was born healthy and huge. And <laughs> it was like in and out of the hospital. It was a whole different experience, all because of advancements in health and care and preventative care during my pregnancy. I just thought this is the most amazing thing to be able to do something that's going to on that preventative side. Like That's what's really exciting before something bad happens to be able to help. Um, so it, it really changed my career trajectory and what was important to me. And now here I am just raving about health tech. Like, I didn't think this is where I would be 10 years ago, but here we are. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's nice to be, I mean, you, I mean, you, you can hear it in your voice. I mean, you know, you, you have, you have, you have a passion for this, uh, you know, for this work. Uh, you have a passion for the the work that, you know, like the work that you're doing, I mean, and what it does, and you can see the outcomes, right? Which is something maybe in RevOps as backend marketers, maybe we don't always see the outcome of what we're, what we're doing, but you know, you actually have a role where you actually can see the outcome, which is, which has got to feel pretty good, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> so now, now if you, if you go back in time, let's say, you know, before you started in, in the health tech, I mean, what, what would you, what, what would you do differently? I mean, what, what advice would you give yourself? in that regard? I love this question because I was recently talking to a friend's daughter who is just about to start her career oh, and nice. asked me for advice. And I gave her an answer on the spot. But then when I left, I was thinking about it more. I was like, that wasn't the right answer. I should have told her something else. So if I can answer this twice, I mean, <laughs> I would like to give both answers. Yeah. So my first thing that I said to her 
was to always know what your dream job is. Always have in the back of your head what that trajectory is. So if someone said to you, like, what do you want to be doing 10 years, 20 years from now? You have the title or, you know, a vague idea of what you want to do, but always understand why. Because for me, when I started my career, I really wanted to work for, (laughs) this sounds so random, but the Department of Foreign Affairs and International Trade. I did an internship with the federal government in Canada, which was where I lived at the time. And I thought it was so amazing how they got to live in these different exotic sort of locations. And it's not just traveling. It's like you're embedded in this different place. So to me, that like the travel aspect of it was so exciting. So that was why I wanted to do that. And for context, I grew up in the smallest town in the world. Like there was 300 people. Like it was so tiny. And small towns are very polarizing. People either love them so much and they never want to leave. Or like me, they're like, get me out of here. I want to go somewhere interesting and different. So I was definitely motivated by that like experience of growing up there and wanting to do something different. So then as I got a little older... Um, got married. We moved to New York, which was already very different from Cottlesville, Newfoundland, Canada. Um, it kind of took some of the urgency over working for an organization like that out of like that was kind of off the table. I was already somewhere interesting now, so I didn't need to follow that trajectory. But that was my advice that I gave her was just understand what you want to do, but understand why you want to do it. So as things change, you can really appreciate how you want your career to change because different needs are being met or wants are being met. And then there's also just how things change. Like I just told you about my daughter and how that changed what I wanted to do. So knowing what, but understanding why. I think that's a really good North Star. But then when I went and thought about it longer, I wrote an email to her and I was like, okay, here's what you should actually do. Understand who your sponsors are. Sponsors. Your sponsors. Okay, okay. I didn't really even understand the difference between mentors, sponsors, and just leaders at a company until very recently. And I I wasted a lot of time by not knowing that. (laughs) So I guess for anyone listening to this who doesn't know, Mentors are people who will coach you, give you advice, they'll help you out, and they're important. But sponsors are the people who really advocate for you. They'll mention your name in a room full of opportunities. They'll find opportunities or create them for you. They'll really, they'll like stick their neck out for you to to help. And that's very rare. You don't get a lot of those in your career. But because I didn't understand that nuance early on, when I started my career being ambitious and wanting to do a lot and go places, I would just work so hard for so many people. And then I started to notice this pattern as I went from organization to organization. There were these leaders who I would stay up until 2 a.m. working on some deck for them. And they'd be like, thank you. Bye. And then when I go to another organization, I'd never hear from them again. I just thought if I had reprioritized my efforts, so instead of just working so hard for everyone, I worked really hard for the people who really believed in me and appreciated me and wanted to make things happen for me. 
And maybe the lesson should have been creating boundaries and like, you know, not working until 2 a.m. But I think it's okay to work really hard and go above and beyond when it's meaningful, when it's this kind of sponsorship relationship, or maybe even certain mentors, like really working hard to impress them is going to be very important and it's going to last for your whole career. I have people who were sponsors, well, like one in particular who was a sponsor and at a recent organization. And if he wanted me to do something, he like he wouldn't even necessarily ask. He would be like, I, I'm struggling with this. I would volunteer to do it. Whereas if someone else in the organization had said, can you do this? I would have been like, actually, why don't you talk to this other person? Because it's more their job. But you just you want to impress them because you know that that's going to be a meaningful connection. And even last month, I was talking to him, and he's like, "Hey, I'm I'm with the a couple of these people. I think they'd be good for you to meet. Why don't you come on down and you can connect with them?" So it's still like he's still helping connect me to people and and do these things. So it just makes that work so much more valuable because it transcends your current job. So. Understanding the nuance and where you should be really putting in the heavy, heavy above and beyond work. Interesting. Yeah. Sponsor. I, I, I've never heard that term before in a, I heard it like, you know, in a, in a sporting context, but not, not, not in this, not in this case, you know, or like, or like in a visa context, but not, not in like a, in like a, in like a career growth context where you have sponsors and mentors. I know mentors and sponsors I've never heard of. That's a, that's an interesting one. So Samantha, where can people, um, where can people learn more about you? Where can they, where can they, how can they connect with you? Well, I'm very active on LinkedIn, maybe a little bit too active. People sometimes make fun of me, a lot of memes and I'm <laughs> maybe too much personal stuff. There's pictures of my kids there. I don't know. Like, so if you want to learn more about me, find me on LinkedIn and you'll learn more than you ever wanted to know. And you may unfollow me. So buyer beware. <laughs> yes. And then uh, what about on, on Cohere Just uh, just on the website or? or Absolutely. Yeah. So CoherHealth.com, you can learn all about um, the mission and all the great stuff we're doing. Hopefully when you look through the website, you look through our solutions page, you'll say, wow, this is what a great narrative. They must have a really good rev ops function that they tell this story so clearly. I understand it completely now. <laughs> I mean, like that's 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 what every every RevOps person hopes for, right? <laughs> is just to have that to have the, the the very difficult sound very simple, right? That's <laughs> exactly. So, if you love it, also let me know on LinkedIn that it was so good, and I'll tell my boss. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure people will will hit it up, and then they'll 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 be doing that for you, no problem. <laughs> well, anyway, look, you know, Samantha, this was a this is a lot of fun. I mean, like you know, it's, it's very rare to find a, a RevOps person, so you know you personally connected to the uh, to the actual job that they're having. It's not just, you know, names in an inbox or in a collab tool or whatever, just kind of, you know, going through the motions. I mean, you can tell this means, you know, quite a lot to you. I mean, so it's uh it's 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 been really fun and interesting to see that that come out in the in the conversation. So thanks so much for uh for hopping on. Well thank you for having me. And I look forward to our next one ten years from now when we see yeah. these predictions. He was right, exactly. I mean I think you'll be right. I think people will be involved in, in business in ten years from now. I think that's, I think that's probably I mean, gonna, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully. We're gonna we're gonna start the war on on, on all artificial intelligence, right? But anyway, yeah. I think you so. never know. I guess. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, if anybody uh, is, is out there listening, you know, thanks a lot for uh, for tuning in. If you if you learned a little bit, laughed a lot, hopefully, then you'll know, please uh, please tell someone else about the episode, and uh, we'll be in touch soon. Samantha, thanks again for coming on. Thank you. And yeah, we'll catch up with you guys next time. Bye. And that wraps up another episode of RevOps 500. Thanks for joining. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at RevOps500.com. RevOps 500 is sponsored by CompuTech, providing technical and development expertise to growth-focused marketing.